0: Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
0: Hello everyone. Welcome to AOA. So glad you've joined us. Hope you had a good weekend and we're ready to go as we're putting the finishing touches on this month of May. Today we'll talk about weather. Some farmers still trying to get planting done. We'll talk with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson about the weather the week ahead. Speaking of planting, we'll talk with an Ohio farmer, Cy Prettyman. He just got done planting late last week. We'll get an update from him. And uh, lots to talk about concerning the beef industry, especially cattle markets. Bill Bullard, CEO of Arcaf USA, will join us. We'll talk about that recent, you could kind of call it historic meeting, if you will, of uh, different beef groups, different uh, cattle groups got together and actually found some common ground. A lot of that common ground was about concern over what's going on with the cattle markets and what's going on, wanting answers and an update from the Department of Justice on their investigation into it. Uh, we'll talk with Bill Bullard about that and other topics concerning the uh, cattle industry a little bit later on in today's program. But we're going to start things off. As we kick off a new week, Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications, joins us. Sarah, thanks, thanks for being with us. Good to have you with us. Hope you had a good weekend.
2: I did, Mike. Thanks. Always a pleasure to be with you and share some of the news of what's happening in Washington, D.C. and around the country.
0: You know, my thought with the cattle groups that got together, these are groups that uh, do not see eye to eye on many things, and that's that's an understatement. But they did get together. They talked. They even found some common ground. If they can do it, maybe there's still hope for Congress. Can they get it done? Can they come <laughs> together on some consensus? <laughs>
2: Well, you know, um, that is a very historic meeting that you referenced, and uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. You might have noticed that we also reported on the fact that uh, ABS is no longer part of the National Calvin's Beef Association, so there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes work. But uh, focusing on Congress, you know, they've got this big infrastructure package in front of them, and there was some progress last week, we thought, when President Biden's team at the White House announced that they were going to tear down the, the initial plan a little bit. They're going to focus a little bit more tightly. They dropped from $2.25 to $1.7 uh cut out some things that um, were uh, not considered as essential, but also um, reduced the funding that was being proposed for things like rural broadband from $100 billion to $65 billion. The problem is, of course, that the GOP senators who were negotiating said that they had made a lot of progress talking to the president himself, but the White House staff counteroffer they thought was taking them further apart. So um, how much longer the White House is going to continue to wait and try to negotiate with these groups of, uh, you know, kind of like-minded GOP senators, I don't know. Um, The president had wanted to have a deal by the end of May. And um, if he doesn't get it pretty soon, I imagine that uh, there could still be an infrastructure package. It would just be done through budget reconciliation and won't be bipartisan at all. So we're just going to stay tuned and and try to see if they can work something out. Uh, You know, sometimes it gets pretty dark before they get to any Mm -hmm. kind of level of agreement. So I don't think we're there yet.
0: But you touched on it. The administration... Has come out and said, if we don't get it done in a bipartisan way, we'll get it done another way. We'll, they're going to push it through. And wow, here's here's where we're at with these numbers. We're now considering a 1.7 trillion dollar package as something that's pared down, that that's somehow leaner, and we're still talking at 1.7 trillion dollars. Oh,
2: absolutely. It's uh, we're real money here, not not pixie
0: dust. Yeah, uh, and you've got the, and now. Secretary Vilsack is out, of course. He's uh, pushing different uh, programs that the administration wants to see done. Um, He's got... A lot of convincing to do, I think, because I think there's growing skepticism in agriculture and the ag community about, you know, concern about how they're going to pay for these things, how it's going to impact them. Even got some rural Democrats that are concerned about this. Uh, they're they're no doubt hearing from their constituents, so uh, they've got still quite a sales job on their hands as they go out and and sh- and try to sell this to people across the country.
2: They do, and you've seen Secretary Vilsack on the road. He was uh, t- also touting something that's been pretty controversial in farm country, one of the top reads on our website right now, and that is that they have announced they will start making the payments to socially disadvantaged farmers, probably about $4 billion there, although we don't know the extent of it. Uh, we're going to have a pretty interesting piece out on Wednesday to into some of the things that are happening as a result. But basically USDA is going to make payments to about 120% of the farmer's debt If they can um, uh, show that they've had these loans from USDA, and if they qualify as socially disadvantaged, Uh, there's two lawsuits against this right now, um, and so it it may yet end up in the courts. But I think there are a lot of folks in the credit communities as well as farmers around the country saying, you know, they're scratching their head now. Secretary Vilsack, of course, was on the road with some Georgia senators uh, over the weekend and. You know, this is his uh commitment and the biden's commitment to uh making up for all the uh discrimination over the years for these farmers who have suffered in, in numerous ways so they're they're making the argument for it, trying to do that uh presentation of why this is so needed, but it, it is stirring up a lot of comments
0: and ironic too is he's out pitching this. That was one of the areas he was most criticized for in the last time he was at USDA.
2: He was. And I think that's <clears throat> excuse me, another reason why he is so adamant that this has to be done and try to address some of the structural racism that has existed at USDA. And if you talk to farmers of color, they can give you a lot of different examples. Uh, but in this case, there's not really a, you know, a, a proof required that uh, some discrimination. It's just considered that they did exist.
0: So it's going to be uh, an interesting uh, agenda here for the Biden administration, as you know, we're a week away from Memorial Day, and you get into those summer schedules. It, or can they get something major passed or not? I guess they can. They have the majority, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they choose to get it done.
2: Yeah, the vice president can come in and, and I don't know break any ties that would exist. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a little bit more effort to do some good faith negotiation. Because you have people like Joe Manchin, who's a conservative Democrat in West Virginia. He'd like to see this be a bipartisan package, as, as have others expressed the same. Uh, But they're still pretty far apart, and uh, they just have to see if there can be that ground. And and as well, I think a lot of members, they're going to be home over Memorial Day. This is a time for farmers and ranchers to be talking to them about what their concerns are. And I'm guessing that some will say they do want to move ahead with this infrastructure package.
0: All right. Sarah, good to talk with you, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you,
2: Mike. Have a great week.
0: You too. Sarah Wyant, Editor, President of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, weather. As we wrap up the month of May, head into June, we got some areas very wet, other areas still very dry. What's ahead this week? We'll talk with DTM Senior Meteorologist Bryce Anderson next on AOA. Items on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Moth, as I interview some of agriculture's best thought leaders, You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to DTNCF.com backslash field posts.
0: Recently on Adams on Agriculture, President of Missouri Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins. Agriculture has pushed for years for infrastructure improvements. Then you get proposals now that seem to address some of those issues, but along with it comes how to pay for it. Where do you stand on this and how do you see the pluses and minuses of what's being proposed right now?
5: I've heard a lot of our members use the acronym SSDD, same story, different day. Seems like here we go again through the years
6: that all of a sudden we talk, about death being a taxable event. That is the fundamental issue that we're talking about and the administration has put forth a plan, multifaceted plan, but the piece that we're most worried about is the elimination of stepped-up basis and then what the plan is to impose capital gains tax at death. While they've tried to tell agriculture, hey, don't worry, we're still having this fundamental conversation and trying to talk about fairness and legacy in terms of what we do in agriculture.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on F. On
5: agriculture. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: Well, let's talk weather with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. And Bryce, as we uh, go into this last week of May, we look around the country. We see some areas that are wet and some farmers still trying to get planting done. Other areas continue to be dry. So we have a mixed bag across the country. What's ahead this week?
8: Mike, there's more rain for quite a few uh, crop areas uh, with uh, basically, the the area from the Rockies to the Appalachians is uh, open for business. So when it comes to more Gulf moisture inflow, that's been such a big feature during the past week uh, with uh, that consistent uh, low-level jet that uh, tapped into uh, all of that uh, moisture uh, in the Gulf and uh, brought it way north, uh, clear into the Northern Plains, Canadian Prairies. Uh, so. The uh, forecasts for one to two inches or more of precipitation, uh, even in the extreme drought areas of North Dakota into Saskatchewan, Canada, verified, and then farther to the south, we did see some areas that got way too much rain with uh, that flooding that took place in the Gulf Coast, in Texas and Louisiana, and in between, uh, rainfall of two-plus inches over quite a bit of the central plains, uh, parts of the western Midwest, uh, useful moisture, and very much needed. Uh, the areas that were driest uh, were in the uh, far eastern Corn Belt, it looks like from about central Indiana east uh, where that uh, rainfall uh, was less. I think that that was useful for continuing uh, field work because we know a week ago that Ohio was uh, a fair amount behind uh, in terms of its corn planting progress and then in the southeast it's been just uh, very dry uh... And by the way that part of the country has uh... much above normal temperatures in store for this week so we're starting to see that dry ground enhance the heating one other area for for uh... commodity crops for grain crops uh... that's very dry with uh... some concern about possible production loss is in the northwest, and uh, there is uh, quite a bit of uh, the uh, white wheat country in Washington, uh, eastern Oregon, uh, southern southwestern Idaho, uh, where they really could use a decent rain, and they're not getting it. So, um, you know, there there are some drier areas, but my goodness, uh, the the central crop country uh, certainly was on the right side of the rainfall track during the past week.
0: Yeah, we'll talk with an Ohio farmer later in the program who just wrapped up planting late last week. My area here—I'm in west central Illinois—and my immediate area, uh, crops are in, up, and growing, and looking good. And just a few miles south of me, uh, they've had way more rain, and many farmers are struggling to, to get planting done. They still got quite a ways to go. I mean, it can—it's uh, it, that variable with even within the small areas. Uh, and what you're just describing, we kind of have that going on across the country.
8: Well, there, there certainly is, is that uh, situation. Uh, by and large, uh, you look at uh, the planting progress, and uh, we're, you know, the, the uh, bulk of planting has been taken care of for corn and soybeans, and now we think about uh, the, the need for moisture for, for crop emergence and development. And uh, with the rain that uh, took place, that occurred last week and then with more on the way for this week with again a lot of uh one to three inch rains over just about uh the entire interior of the continental u.s uh south of uh, interstate 90 uh you've got to uh, just go with the uh, rain makes grain uh type of adage and uh again looking at a at a large scale you know that's where things are the the one uh drawback uh, with this moisture that we have seen is that quite a few areas of the hard red winter wheat belt in Kansas and Oklahoma are going to be in line for this heavier rainfall and of course um, we know that last week the Kansas wheat tour showed um, very favorable yield prospects and and all that but the the, uh, experts uh, from the Kansas wheat growers did say that um, if the rain is uh, a little bit too substantial now in the next uh, three to four weeks, that could actually lead to disease setting in and would actually maybe not be quite all that favorable for wheat development because you know we all know that, that uh, wheat needs the uh, bright sunshine shining on the golden, on, on the golden fields. And, and that's, that's not just uh, you know an artistic uh, vehicle, that truly is what wheat, uh, needs uh, in order to really uh, produce to its maximum and so there's a little bit of concern from that standpoint going on
0: well we have seen things warm up uh, what are the uh, temperatures expected to be this coming week across the country
8: there yeah they're gonna they're gonna go kind of back and forth and um, over much of the northern and north central uh, parts of the country we are going to see temperatures running below normal uh, after the Real, uh, very warm pattern that uh, quite a few areas had during this past weekend. Uh, the the upper air feature right now is more of a trough northwest and ridge east. Uh, troughing is over uh, northern Montana specifically, and that's allowing the rainfall to uh, go on over the northern part of the country. But uh, during the next uh, 10 days or so, we're going to have a switch to ridge west and trough east. And, and so along with that... Uh, We're going to see the uh, general airflow turn to more of a northerly direction across the Midwest, much of the northern and central plains. And so we will see cooler temperatures. Uh, Along with that, there will be chances for thunder showers to fire up, of course. But uh, it's going to turn uh, cooler during the next week, maybe slowing things down somewhat. But um, we're not uh, real cold. It's not going to be anything to to worry about from that standpoint, but definitely cooler, probably uh, slowing crop development down a little bit.
0: And then how do things look in your longer-range forecast for June?
8: June is not looking too bad when it comes to the moisture uh, scenario for most of the central part of the country, along with uh, temperatures that are going to be near to above normal. Uh, Now following June, uh, the July and August uh, pattern is definitely looking warm, and the precipitation starts to slide in terms of its uh, in, in terms of its forecast uh, relative to average. Uh, there is a little bit of disagreement on the precipitation scene during the next um, several uh, months, because uh, as many people saw last week, the U.S. Climate Prediction Center is uh, looking for precipitation to be in that, uh, ever popular equal chance category, uh, for normal, uh, above normal or below normal over just about the entire Midwest. Um, and then above normal chances, mostly in Indiana, Ohio, southeastern Michigan, and then toward the East coast with the low normal in the East central Dakotas and, uh, East Central, Nebraska on West. So that's how things are lining up, and uh, that's, how they, that's how the public agencies are looking at it. In our DTN view, we're going basically below normal on precip all the way through uh, July and August uh, for mm. the entire uh, central part of the country. So there is uh, some real concern about how much moisture we're going to get to sustain crops all the way
0: through the balance
8: of this season.
0: Something that uh, we'll be watching closely as this year goes along, especially uh, um, the way the markets have been anyway. So that'll certainly be market moving news as we get, if we do indeed get that really dry weather. I was going to say we'll be talking about it uh, throughout the the coming summer, but I won't be able to talk with you as much about it, Bryce, because, uh, wow, (laughs) you are kind of easing into some retirement. Is that right? Yes,
8: I am. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back away from the daily deadlines uh, as we get into early June, Mike. My my last full time day at D T N is going to be uh, Tuesday, June first. And um, I'm still gonna be around. Um, you know, because uh, you know, being being a broadcaster by training, uh, you know, if I find a mic if I find a microphone, I'm gonna try to get on it. Uh, so I am going to be around at the farm shows and then doing some, uh, doing some work for DTN, uh, so you will uh, probably catch me from time to time, but uh, John Baranek is going to be uh, assuming more of the uh, weather call uh, assignment, and uh, so that's, that's kind of how things are lining up for me as we go uh, further into the summer
0: season. Well, I'll definitely be catching you at the shows uh, this summer, and want to thank you. Uh, You and I have been on the radio together for many, many years and really appreciate all you've done and uh, wish you the very best in retirement. Thanks a lot, Bryce.
8: Thank you, Mike. Great working with you as always.
0: DTN Senior Meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for a Round the Table brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system from global market access to local expertise We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Did you know that biodiesel reduces carbon emissions by 74% on average? It's the best option available today for states and cities across America looking to immediately cut carbon emissions. It's an important contribution from America's farmers to meeting the nation's carbon reduction goals right now. That's why we say biodiesel is better cleaner now. Learn more by visiting bettercleanernow.com brought to you by the National Biodiesel Board in partnership with soybean farmers and their checkoff program.
7: You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Downtrends that began last week are extending into most crop markets this morning. U.S. crop conditions are mostly beneficial, and Brazil losses seem to be old news. On the Board of Trade, July corn trading five and three quarters lower at six fifty-three and a half cent. The September contract down ten and three quarters at five sixty-two and a half cent. For soybeans, the July contract down two and a half cent at fifteen twenty-three and three quarters, the August contract down four cents at four. 1468 and a fraction. For wheat, Chicago wheat July down 12 and a half cent at 661 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat July down 11 cents at 613. Minneapolis spring wheat July down 15 and a fraction at 685 and a half cent. The September contract down 15 cents at 690 and three quarters. Friday's Cattle on Feed report held a few bearish surprises. The USDA estimated Cattle on Feed as of May 1st at 104.7 percent of last year placements during. April were pegged at 127.2 percent of last year's pandemic-shortened numbers, and marketings were 132.8 percent of last year. Cattle on feed totaled 11.725 million head, which is 99.2 percent of 2019's on-feed number. Both the on-feed and placement numbers were larger than expected, while marketings were slightly below the average trade estimate. June live cattle on the board of trade down a dollar at 116.60. The August contract a dollar 27 lower. At one nineteen sixty-five, feeder cattle. The August contract down thirty at one fifty-three forty. The September contract down twenty-seven at one fifty-four sixty-two. In lean hog futures, the June contract a dollar ten lower at one thirteen twelve. The July contract a dollar seven lower at one fifteen forty-seven. In the outside markets, the Dow is up two hundred and eighteen points. The Nasdaq Composite up one hundred and ninety-four. The S and P five hundred up forty-two. This is AOA.
0: Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: Let's talk some cattle industry, cattle market issues and concerns with our next guest, Bill Bullard, CEO of RCAF USA. Bill, thanks for joining us. Glad, glad I'm here. Thank you. Um, earlier this month, there was what I think you could call it an historic meeting. Uh, a number of uh, cattle industry groups came together, groups uh, including yours, uh, uh, talking about some key issues. These are groups that often don't see eye-to-eye on a lot of issues, but you did find some common ground. First of all, you came together, and then you found some common ground, some areas of concern. Give us a, your thoughts on, on that meeting and the what came out of it, the significance of it. Well, the Livestock Marketing Association called
10: the meeting, and they called it because we all now recognize that our industry, the United States cattle industry, is in a serious crisis. Never in history have we seen such Uh, Long-term, strong beef demand, consecutive years of beef demand, consecutive years of strong exports, consecutive years of a dysfunctional market where the price of cattle is completely disconnected from the value of beef. And so the industry got together and said, uh, we are facing a crisis, and if we don't make a change, our industry will no longer look like uh, we know it today. And so they sat down for a day, tried to hammer out uh, what they could agree on. Um, as you can see, it took about seven days to put that agree- those agreements in writing where everyone would agree. And they came out with some logical uh, descriptions of the problems. You know, The problems are we have uh, concentration in the industry that's causing problems. Uh, we have captive supplies uh, that are uh, giving the packers a tremendous leverage in the marketplace itself. And, uh, and it was good for that reason. It was the identification of the problem, which, of course, is the very first step in trying to solve a problem, and that's what they've done. So there's been bills introduced in Washington already. And unfortunately, Mike, uh, the industry is way behind the eight ball. Uh, we are way late in entering uh, the effort to, to cause some immediate reforms for this industry because this crisis that we're in Began six years ago, at the earliest or uh, at the latest, it began at least uh, in January of 2015. So the industry has to get together. If we do not, this industry is going to face a crisis like it has never seen before.
0: One of the things that I like, think that everyone wants to see and hear: what's going on with the Department of Justice investigation into cattle markets? We're, we don't get updates. We don't know where they're at in it, uh, if it's still going on, when there's going to be a conclusion. Uh, how frustrating is that, Bill?
10: Well, unfortunately, that is how the Department of Justice operates. Um, they clo- they keep their information very close. Uh, they do not share it with the public. So you're right. We don't know if the investigation is ongoing. Uh, there is one school of thought that says the longer the investigation goes, uh, the more serious the problem is that they've identified. Um, we believe the Department, of, or excuse me, the Department of Justice is, in fact, continuing its investigation. We also believe the uh, U.S. Attorneys General have joined in that investigation along with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And uh, like lawsuits themselves, investigations do take a long time, and it is frustrating that we don't have a window to see just what they are doing. So uh, we do have confidence that the investigation is ongoing,
0: though. All right. So let's look at the cattle market situation as it is now. There's a lot of concern, a lot of questions being raised about what is happening and how to address it, uh, look, you know, Beef producers are saying, wait a minute, we're not making money off this. Uh, it looks like the Packers are. So what's happening here? What's What can we do to address this situation? What would you like to see what? done?
10: Well, the most serious problem our industry has is it is is no longer competitive. We have lost competition in the industry. That's why we see a dysfunctional market. So the solution has to be you must restore competition. And there's two ways to do that because there are various segments of our industry. Number one, we need to restore competition in the beef industry. We need to begin building demand for USA-produced cattle. And the only way to create competition in the beef market is if consumers can distinguish beef produced by U.S. cattle producers versus beef from any one of 22 countries we import from, we must have mandatory country of origin labeling in order to restore competition for beef produced by our United States cattle producers, then we need to restore competition for cattle themselves in our own domestic market. And the only way to do that is to force the packers to compete for those cattle. And the only time they compete is in the negotiated cash market. So we must increase the volume of that cash market to a level at least 50%. Uh, In our current state of affairs, it probably ought to be increased greater than that because we have uh, are essentially operating without any competitive forces in the marketplace to reconnect the completely disconnected uh, relationship between live cattle prices and beef prices. So those are the two steps. Restore mandatory country forage labeling for all beef sold in America. And number two, force the Packers to compete by passing the Senator Grassley and Tester Senate Bill 949 that will require those Packers to immediately begin uh injecting competition into the live cattle market and remember that said cattle market is the most important market in our entire supply chain because cattle of all weights and ages uh, will or the, their price will be determined uh, by that said cattle price so that's the most important market we must focus on it we have the tool to do that congress could act now if the industry will
0: stand together and push to get it done Okay, so safe to say, that's probably where some of this unity we talked about uh, starts falling apart. I mean, there's some agreement on what the problems are, where you start disagreeing again is how to address them.
10: Well, and that's why we're reaching out to consumers right now, because uh, our industry has failed in its ability to maintain a competitive marketplace. Uh, the meatpacking lobby has been extremely powerful, and they have prevented reforms for the past 20 years, reforms that organizations like ours and others have tried to put in place to prevent the very crisis we're facing today. We were unsuccessful in preventing the crisis, so we need to reach out and find new support. And that's why we're reaching out right now to consumers, urging them to stand with us because this affects them too. They're paying exorbitant prices for beef, and cattle producers are receiving severely depressed prices for their cattle, and the middleman is walking away smiling. And that's got to change. Consumers are being exploited, and they know that. And so we are reaching out to consumers and saying, help us in Congress because the industry itself
0: is incapable of fixing this problem as quickly as it needs to be fixed. We're talking with Bill Bullard, CEO of RCAF USA. Bill, tell us about this uh, campaign you have underway to get 200 members of Congress from both the Senate and the House to uh, add their names to a bipartisan letter uh, to address the food crisis in this country uh, and how you would go about that. Tell us about it.
10: Yes, so Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota, Republican, and Senator Tina Smith, a Democrat from Minnesota, uh, drafted this letter, and it is essentially it describes the scope of the crisis it explains all the various factors that are affecting both producers and consumers including market concentration market uh, consolidation antitrust violations failed trade policies lack of country of origin labeling uh, the mislabeling of beef in the US market and a lack of processors so it's a comprehensive description describing the complete scope of this crisis and then it says that they want to explain clearly that this is an issue that is extremely important to every consumer in the United States. And then it says that the Congress wants to work with the administration through the US Attorney General in order to find an immediate and decisive solution. So this is the first and most essential step in solving a problem, is a clear identification of the problem in a widespread manner. And that's why we're seeking 200 congressional signatures on this letter. It's it's so that it can serve as a proclamation, a proclamation for the absolute need to call to action Congress and the administration to work together to immediately impart reforms on the industry and again the reform has to be you must restore the competition in this industry because this is an industry that lives and dies by competitive market forces and if you lose those competitive market forces as we are losing very very quickly our industry will die and we will no
0: longer recognize it if we don't act. how's that campaign going
10: Well, it started right before the weekend. So, of course, Mm -hmm. we don't know the updates. Uh, As of Friday, we had six members of Congress, Senate and House members on the letter. And we hope to hear updates today. But we have been reaching out to consumer groups, other farm groups, uh, everyone we can think of our membership uh, in order to encourage members of Congress to join onto this letter as quickly as possible. So we're very optimistic that we will get the critical mass of congressional members needed in order to send a strong message to Congress and the administration uh, that they have a duty to act and a duty to act very quickly. So we're confident we will get the the job done. We will get the critical mass of congressional members on the letter, and it will then be used as the first step in solving this very critical crisis that our industry and consumers are facing today. This is a food crisis, and we've uh,
0: called it that. Bill, thanks for being with us. We appreciate the update. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's Bill Bullard, CEO of RCAF USA. So, again, uh, that meeting of the cattle groups took place earlier this month. There was agreement on uh, some of the challenges, some of the uh, Uh, issues that are facing the uh, beef industry and the need to get something done to address those issues. But uh, there's obviously still disagreement among the groups about how to go about resolving those issues. And now can they resolve their differences and keep pushing forward in a unified way? We shall see. Uh, But uh, certainly you get the issues like mandatory country of origin labeling. There are differences of opinion within the industry. All right, we'll watch that closely. Up next, a planting update from the state of Ohio, next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
11: As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift register in minutes just go to organdonor.gov you'll be happy you did and just maybe someone else will be happy too sign up today go to organdonor.gov it saves lives u.s department of health and human services health resources and services administration
12: what do mick jagger barbara walters and star jones all have in common
4: For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at the Progressive Farmer and DTN, on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts.
3: To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Senex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
8: How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan
0: started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Recently, on Adams on Agriculture, Todd Van Hoos, president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. Overall, how does the ag economy look to you right now? It looks pretty
8: strong right now. USDA has its projections out, and they're talking about a well above average year. And we're expecting when you add these past two years together, that's going to help recover from the previous five. If you think about 2015 through 2019, those were all well below average income years for most of agriculture. And we saw deterioration Sheets and stress on farms, and now a projection is true for 21. We hope to have two pretty good years, but still, there's still some stress out there. Those balance sheets aren't built back to where they were coming out of, say, 2013-2014. So we think we've got a ways to go. But good news so far, except especially in dairy, where these feed prices are really a challenge because the margin on the other side just isn't there.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA now back to Mike Adams last full week of May some farmers have been done
0: planting for some time now others still trying to get finished up others just got done including our next guest Cy Prettyman from uh Ohio just north of Columbus Cy welcome back and you tell me you wrapped up late last week
6: yeah we were fortunate to get wrapped up on Friday morning with uh, the end of our beans and uh did a little crop tour then and, uh, checked out what needed replanted and to much to my surprise, very little replants to do also. So mm-hmm. I stuck in maybe a, a bag worth of corn and about four bags of beans. And I had, uh, had my replants wrapped up on Friday afternoon and, uh, made for a nice weekend.
0: Well, take us to your spring, your planting season and, uh, the challenges you've faced.
6: Yeah. So, uh, We had that really nice stretch uh, right after Easter there, early April. Uh, A lot of guys uh, really went gung-ho at that time. I did plant a few beans at that time. They are about the 7th of April, I think. Um, Took about three or four weeks for them to get all out of the ground, but uh, actually they look really good today. And then I kind of... Uh, I think about 10 days after that, I planted another round of beans, and about a week after that, then I jumped in there at the end of April and finished up uh, most of the beans, except for the few that I had that uh, that we wrapped this week. So I kind of spread them out through, through April on beans, um, just didn't go gung-ho like some of them. We had guys in the area that were done with both beans and corn before the 1st of May, so it was kind of a crazy, crazy April, but it was pretty cold and wet, so I, well, that was my hesitation as to how... Uh, how gung-ho to get and uh, we had some snow there I think around the 20th of April we had that little snow that came in one evening so it was an odd spring but to look at the crops today uh, right in my neighborhood they look really good so very happy we had just five hundredths of an inch of rain last night and the corn that I started planting last Monday uh, you could row all of that stuff this morning so a quick quick start on it with the heat we had last week.
0: Mm-hmm. Talking with Cy Prettyman, he farms just north of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so yeah, it uh, it's been one of those springs. We waited and waited for it to warm up, and finally it has. And uh, these uh, crops are really responding.
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of that corn that was planted in April, say from the probably right after that. Some guys probably did put some some corn in there ahead of the snow we had there at the twentieth or so of April. There was some corn going in the ground then. I didn't put any corn in the ground till the 27th of April. All of that corn that, I mean, it was slow coming up, and it was uh, very yellow, and you can just imagine it didn't look real real, real good there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this week changed things dramatically. Yeah, the corn uh, greened up and uh, looks really good, and it's starting to take off now. It looks like we're, uh, you know, hopefully have some good potential out there.
0: Did you make any... Uh real cropping changes this year as far as uh, switching acres
6: um, I did move actually ended up moving a little little uh, more acres over to beans um, made a couple switches even there last week at, on, a, on a couple fields that uh, went that direction um, no particular reason just uh, um, just timing things and the way things worked out uh, that we went that way our plan was to have just a few more acres of beans this year I usually about 50 50 there um, will probably be more like a 60-40 kind of mix this year on beans versus corn. So not big changes, but we did jump things around a little
0: bit. Have you had uh, a windy spring like a lot of other areas have had? Spring has been a real challenge.
6: Early, that was the deal in April. It seemed like those days when it when it did warm up, the wind, we had high winds too. It uh, was an issue getting some spraying done, and it was just drying things out so fast. Um, you know, if you're doing any conventional tillage, it's just like, man, it's just anything you're opening up, the uh, the wind and the heat was just taking the moisture out as fast as you could, you know, faster than you could move to get the crop in the ground. So that was a little unnerving at times. Um, the one field of corn that I planted on the 28th, I was questioning because it, it dried things out so much. We were dropping some of the corn into dry moisture, and I dried seedbed and I just don't like to do that I was struggling to find some moisture in that we got rained after that you know um, that corn struggled to emerge I ended up actually uh, hitting that with the rotary hoe last Saturday and now that field looks beautiful last Saturday when I was going over it I had just a little emergence Uh, most of it wasn't up and I was like well that's going to be a redo and uh, after the warm warm weather last week um came back hadn't been by the field for a few days because i was working on other things and i was like holy cow there's a lot going out there and it, and it looks fabulous today
0: how's your subsoil moisture
6: it's um it's decent um to, today uh, you know we had heavy rains that came through oh, there on mother's day but through April, you know, we had a fairly dry April and I had some concerns, you know, are we heading into a drought or what's things looking like? And we did have some on the drought monitor, there were some places even catching part of our part of the state in Ohio that was in the kind of early stages. And, um, uh, but that that kind of caught back up with the heavy rains that came through on mother's day. And, you know, hopefully we'll get some decent rains where this week would help a little bit, but we're, we're drying back out. Um, we haven't had any rain since any significant rain since Mother's Day in my part of the state. Now, last Monday there was a little stretch that ran from northwest down to the southeast that caught about a half inch of rain. So, not terrible, but I wouldn't say we're uh, we have a um, you know a significant amount of of subsoil moisture.
0: So, you're glad to be done. Now, you just uh, hope the the rains come at the right times, right? Uh, it sounds like you're off to a good start. Maybe it took a little longer than you would thought, but uh, all in all, it sounds like things are pretty good.
6: Yeah, I'm very pleased where they stand right now. The potential looks great, and then it's just going to be up to Mother Nature what she gives us here throughout the growing season. Um, you know, I, I feel like if we're getting some rains here uh, as we wrap up this week, i ought to get the rest of the crops up and going. and well, it'll be time to uh, start looking at side-dressing some of that uh, early corn.
0: Yep. Well, Cy, good to talk with you again. Appreciate the update. We'll check back in later this uh, summer, see how things are going, okay?
6: Look forward to it, Mike. Thank you.
0: Take care. Cy Prettyman, he farms in Ohio, just north of Columbus. That wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Have a good day and join us again tomorrow right here on AOA.